Welcome to the Venture 12 podcast, Advent Reflections. We give you thanks for the babe born in violence. We give you thanks for the miracle of Bethlehem, born into the Jerusalem heritage. We do not understand why the innocents must be slaughtered. We know that your kingdom comes in violence and travail. Our time would be a good time for your kingdom to come because we have had enough of violence and travail. And so we wait with eager longing and with enormous fear because your promises do not coincide with our favourite injustices. We pray for the coming of your kingdom on earth as it is around your heavenly throne. We are people grown weary of waiting. We dwell in the midst of cynical people and we have settled for what we can control. We do know that you hold initiative for our lives, that your love planned our salvation before we saw the light of day. And so we wait for your coming in your vulnerable baby, in whom all things are made new. Well, it's great to be with you all, Venture 12 listeners, for this Advent Reflections. Uh, And just a note about Advent, and then I'll explain a little bit more about how the next uh, time is going to be spent uh, with everybody on the team who are with me. So here's a note from the Common Book of Prayer by Shane Claiborne, which is a, a resource that we use in the Venture 12 network and community. It says this, Advent means coming, and it's a time Uh, where we wait expectantly. Christians began to celebrate this uh, festival uh, as a season during the 4th and 5th centuries. And like Mary, we, we celebrate the coming of the Christ child. That's what God has already done. And we also celebrate the God who comes to us through the presence of the Spirit. That is what God is doing in this moment and we wait in full expectation of the full coming of christ and his return that is what god will yet do but this waiting is not passive it is an active waiting and any expectant mother knows that this preparation involves exercise nutrition care prayer work and birth involves pain blood tears joy release community It's called labour for a reason. 
And likewise, we are in a world pregnant with hope and we live in the expectation of the coming of God's kingdom on earth. And as we wait, we also work, cry, pray, ache. We are midwives of another world. So this is the Venture 12 Advent Reflections and I'm joined with Beth and Hannah and later on you'll have Chris and Emma share some reflections around Advent. Um, we're also very, very grateful to uh, be able to put this episode together with friends of the podcast who have contributed prayers and poems. So um, Ashley Bowles, who used to be a host on the podcast, uh, that was her prayer um, or her narrating Walter Brueggemann's prayer, Violence and Travail. Uh, we also have Sarah Bournes Crosby, who's been uh, on the podcast, and, and she'll be reading and reciting one of her poems, Advent poems. And right at the very end, <clears throat> we have Will Small uh, with his spoken word. Um, I think that's called The Other Story. So here we are. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. Hey. Hey. It's good, to be, good to be with you. Yeah, yeah it's really good. It's December. Yeah. We're nearing the middle of December. <laughs> Christmas is coming. Yeah, it's Lucia morning in Sweden. Oh, uh, yeah. So we are beating the darkness with a lot of lights this For morning. Those international listeners, just quickly tell us about Lucia. Oh, she was a saint uh, that was killed. Oh, I'm nervous now to tell the story. <laughs> I don't really know it. Started uh, well. <laughs> yeah, and um, we celebrate her with a lot of lights. Yeah. We walk in a like on a line together with candles in our hand. Yeah, it's pretty spectacular, actually. So I do encourage you to go and look it up. Yeah. And that. I always fear for the risk assessment because uh, candles in your hair. Like, I, I thought people were joking, but they're actual lit We're not candles. as strong at risk assessments in Sweden as you are in England. No. We just do things. Lucy would be in trouble if it was in England. <laughs> Yeah, she would. Yeah, well, listen, we, we've got this, we've got a time together where we're going to share some of our... Um, reflections in this rich and deep and beautiful season of advent um and we're just going to bounce around really uh and i guess like the key kind of underlying questions are you know what in this year 2023 and is perhaps god um speaking to us about or bringing to the surface um and particularly around this advent season what why what might it be meaning for us in in this community so we're just having a chat i hope that everyone's ready yeah. uh so uh, i don't know the questions what are you reflecting on hannah what's what's come to you this this season i feel like this advent has come as a gift to me this year and i've I've, I've felt invited to a slightly more mature way of looking at Advent than I've been before. Less about baby Jesus and the sentimental kind of well, what happened in the stable, which is so important as well. But more kind of, uh, I've been reading a Richard Raw daily Advent reflection book, and he's really been challenging me in um, inviting the 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 cosmic Christ, you know, the Christ that comes to challenge us, to draw us out of ourselves and to really turn this world upside down. 
Um, so it's been more apocalyptic than my normal <laughs> Advent seasons. Um, and, you know, I come from a church tradition where we talk too much about the end times and Christ's coming. Uh, so we kind of flipped the other way and stopped talking about it. But this year, with the world looking like it does, and even my own inner world needing that real, the real Christ, you know, the the mature Christ that can save this world and will save this world. Um, so that's been on my mind quite mm. a lot this year. And I'm looking, I'm longing for Christ coming more than I've ever done. Mm. Yeah. What about you guys? Uh, yeah, it sounds quite traumatic, doesn't it? <laughs> it's uh um but but it's real isn't it um and I think that that's one of the things I've kind of um I'm learning more and more is that is the importance of being authentic with ourselves and with God mm-hmm. um there's a writer um that I've come across recently um called um Kate Bowler and she's just released a kind of devotional for Advent called bless the Advent we actually have mm-hmm. and like yeah that's where you are like that's where we are like mm. war is happening like mm. um cost of living life is hard we're we're not doing very well at, at being humanity mm. <laughs> in lots of ways you know um and so yeah we need a radical coming of christ don't we we need a really destructive coming of christ yeah. this advent mm. yeah i think it's uh you know just connecting to what you guys are saying is is a reminder I think Advent's reminded me that Christianity is not afraid of the dark mm. and that, yeah, we, you just as you're saying, it's a really dark time, mm. you know. Um, the podcast started with a poem, Prayer, Violence and Travail, and I think that that was quite haunting when I listened mm. back to it, actually, um, and in many ways it it resonates deep with the reality yeah. uh, and I think I like that what you're saying like Advent is is reminding us of what is real uh, mm. and bringing to the surface of what's real and so it's mm. an authentic ad, ad, Advent um, and we can't look a different way to what's what's on our our TV screens violence and travail is reminding us of what's happening right now in part of the world which is causing so much trauma uh, in Palestine and and uh, in, in, in Gaza, mm. um, uh, I personally find it really hard to get away from that. It's such yeah. a so, totally, and and I think well, my geography is very bad, so um, I didn't appreciate where Bethlehem is. You know, I I obviously knew it was in that part of the world that is going through war, but it is actually in rubble at the moment. Mm. And I I saw a really powerful image of a church in Bethlehem. Um, they placed the nativity scene on the rubble mm. and it's like yeah Jesus is coming in spite of that because of that mm. you know mm. and 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 he cut and Jesus comes into the realness of where we are um and yeah the trauma of war the pain of war the chaos of war the hurt the hate of war is is happening is real in many places on our globe but in the place of his birth yeah mm. yeah 
he would he would have needed a, a pass to get out like yeah. the checkpoints yeah. they would have they would have tried to i mean this is maybe not so relevant but if it was now mm. it would have been difficult to get out of bethlehem yeah really hard, difficult to get out of bethlehem mm. um, but this it feels like certainly that part of the world really needs an arrival of hope and change mm. um uh, it feels like when you talk about these things, you're praying as well. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But 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 again, that incredible message that we have a God who understands because He wanted to be with us and and be Emmanuel. Mm. You know, fear was the reality of the early days of Jesus's lives. They were mm. refugees. They were mm. running away mm. from violence. Mm. Yeah. yeah what else what else any other reflections no i'm just reflecting on um you know when life is fine and we don't really think about especially for us living in the west um it's so easy to read the texts in the bible about jesus making all things new and putting everything right as if um i don't want that now like just please let me continue my life for a bit but i think this year for me it's anyways have been more of a kind of a desperate longing for Jesus and I think I'd like to really carry that on through you know peace times war times you know it doesn't really matter like our way of living is not the way of living that I'm actually longing for mm. I'm longing for something else mm. and I watched a video and the last question in the video was was like a prayer thing uh, what are you longing what are you waiting for mm. And it really, you know, grabbed me because it's so easy to start saying like um, just cliches like, yeah, I'm longing for the kingdom of God. But like, what am I actually longing for? What What's the things in me that's just desperate for Jesus to, you know, heal something or change something? Mm. And I maybe that's just a question for us all during Advent. Well, I resonate with that big time. That's been the main kind of personal reflection is that longing mm. you know um i know the other chris and Hanger were talking about, about waiting and mm. patience um of that's always part of advent you know because like mm. the whole culture around us is just like pulling us towards mm. this climax um it's a bit strange isn't it christmas because almost it seems like as soon as christmas day happens or and boxing day people mm. are ready to pack it up again i know but that's <laughs> when the 12 days start people yeah it's the complete opposite we've flipped the whole season upside, upside down so and that's why advent disappears because yeah. it's just christmas and how do you actually connect to what's really going on if mm. that's the the kind of the, the pull and the, the mm. gravity uh, of the season for me it's this like it's, it has been like I'm trying really really okay what is it that I'm longing for mm. what and even deeper than that just to get in touch with mm. those longings what do I need to do to 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 get in touch with my longings I know the season is about new beginnings as well you mm. know and that's the hope mm. um there's a, there's a beautiful promise of it being like a gestation or a, a labor and something amazing that's what we long for and we we have that promise mm. um but just this kind of i this this deeper kind of sense for me has been uh, what do i love mm. uh, and it is deep and important for me to go to that place um for my own well-being 
and for those around me and for the world mm. to to really kind of like do that do that journey mm. um so i've been very much thinking about longing mm. and trying to get in touch with yeah what, that, what that's that... a journey to do isn't it like because you can say things that's expectant of a christian to be longing for but like what's my personal longing yeah you've got expectations you've got your role to play mm. or your job that has mm. certain roles and tasks and things like that and we can sometimes play that role which is quite busy often mm. and and miss the opportunity to kind of have those i guess that's what spiritual disciplines are supposed to do mm. when they're done well mm. is to reconnect with actually who am i what what am i about what's god wanting to do in me mm. uh, and that's not always connected to my role task job mm. uh so so that that's been very much what yeah. i've been reflecting on the second question in that video was what's yours to birth and i think that's another invitation you know like it's not just about christ come and change everything it's like what's mine what's god actually yeah. put in my life to be to birth forth in this world yeah and, um i that, love that picture i think but but again that's that's really tough like discerning all of that yeah and carrying all of that within us like that does have a massive it's a massive weight I find mm. like you know what what yeah what what am I becoming what does God want me to become what do I want to become um and and, and how do I get there and I, I think so often, and I think what's beautiful about this kind of network and space and community is we give people permission to deconstruct, mm. like, like, yeah, strip things back, unravel it, question it, doubt it, etc. Mm. But then how do we, when we're in the place where we, we're, we're then we can see the mess, we can, we can see the kind of promise of what God actually wants to offer. And it's like, that's where I want to be, but how on earth do I get there? <laughs> like, what 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 practical things need to change in my life? What what spiritual and emotional things need to change in my heart? Mm. And and that is so tiring. And I and I definitely resonate with that at the moment. Me and Alex, my husband, you know, thinking about big things like about about how we live our lives. Mm. And it's that is it is emotionally draining, spiritually draining. Mm. Mm. yeah I totally agree and I think for me I didn't really grow up with the church this this sounds now like an easy answer to answer to a very big question but I didn't really grow up with the church year like the rhythm of the church year and that's been a real blessing in my life because you've got advent which is actually a time of asking those questions of pulling back of asking God the the questions that you're saying and then you've got Lent which is also like a time of reflecting and pulling back and uh, being with God and I think uh, for me I've never really followed those patterns mm -hmm. before because I've been so busy celebrating Easter celebrating Christmas um, and if everything is just a big celebration like our hope becomes empty after a while and um, so I think the rhythm of pulling back and then going forward is quite an yeah. important one that I've not had to practice, or well, I'm not blaming it on anyone else. I've not practiced it well, so that's well, Chris. What uh, I Chris, do. in the I don't want to spoil it, but he <laughs> does touch. He does touch on like actually, traditionally, it's been a fast, mm. and it's mm. not just pulling back; it's uh, removing things that are clogging yeah. the system and creating space rather than adding things. It's mm. it's through subtraction. It's a season of subtraction. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Just uh, I'm not completely on top of the time here, so uh, but I do sense it. We maybe got a couple of minutes left. Um, uh, so I think Bethy perhaps had something to just yeah kind of park the the car. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, picking up on this idea of authenticity blessing the advent we actually have, being authentic in ourselves and the idea that God meets us there. Um, I think I'm struck with the idea that God with is with us on the margins. God goes to the margins, Emmanuel on the margins. And, and that's kind of following on from this, the podcast we did with Will Small, who we'll hear later about spiritual misfits. Um, and um, after we recorded that episode, I came across... Um, Kate Bowler and Jessica Ritchie's Good Enough, um, 40-ish devotionals for a life of imperfection. And yeah, that first advent, that, 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 you know, that, 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 that first Christmas was perfectly imperfect. It was raw. Like, I'm sure that wasn't the birth experience Mary would have dreamed about. <laughs> it, but it was real and it was messy and it was beautiful and there's something about embracing authenticity and giving people permission to be themselves in all that means all the rawness all the vulnerability all the mess and I think that's one of the great blessings of Christmas that God comes to be with us where we are in our humanity mm. and um he becomes a spiritual misfit <laughs> um and or as as Kate and Jessica say he becomes an outsider and, and at the moment in my church, in the Salvation Army in the UK and Ireland, we're having a conversation about what it means to belong and believe and be a member of our church. And this reading that I'm going to share with you has really helped put the church politics into perspective. Um, the church often draws lines about who's in and who's out of it. And in the process, we often miss one of those, that key message of the gospel, that when Jesus came to be with us, when God sent his son to be born, to live and die on earth, he wanted to radically remind humanity that he loves us mm. and that he wants. Um, and then part of that radical message is flipping who's in and who's out on its head. And as the reading says, I'm about to read, God delights to be with us so much that he moved heaven and earth. You know, the places we find Emmanuel dwelling more often than not is with the outsiders, is with the spiritual misfits. He was born into a humble family worshipped by shepherds and foreigners from faraway lands. He became a refugee. He devoted his ministry to those who the world shunned. So Emmanuel, God with us, is good news for those of us who feel excluded, who feel marginalised, who don't feel understood. He reminds us that we belong. And so here is a prayer for when you don't belong. Oh, Jesus, when you walked among us, you became the one rejected. You were abandoned, even betrayed by your best friends, barred from the religious institution, rejected by your very own people. You became one with suffering itself. And as an outcast, you opened the door for us to find a home with you, a community of outsiders. You showed us exactly what you thought of such exclusion and rejection. You loved what the world devalued and demeaned. The poor, the sick, foreigners, women, those deemed unclean, the imprisoned, 
you flipped the who's in and who's out upside down. You radically broke every social and religious barrier, shattered them for all time. Your touch brought healing and restoration and hope to people who too felt like they didn't belong. But you didn't just bring them into the fold. You moved the centre of your kingdom there with us, the left out. You tell us we belong and call us your own. So blessed are we then who have been excluded, shunned or forgotten, for there is one who knows us and loves us and walks among us. We know that we are not alone. Our God delights to be with us and has moved heaven and earth just to be where we are. Blessed are we who belong here with God and who make space for others to sit with us, who practice radical belonging and hospitality because we know what it is like to be locked out. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Beth and, and Hannah. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Uh, and here comes Sarah Bournes Crosby with Blessed Is She. Advent is for those who wait, which is all of us. We wait for the job, the decision, the child, the healing, the answer, the spouse, and so much more. Waiting often stirs up feelings of longing, yearning, wrestling, and questioning. We ache to know the whys. We beg for a timeline. We're desperate to figure out where God is when it seems like nothing is happening at all. Throughout Advent, we'll sit together here with those raw emotions, even as we invite Christ to sit with us in our waiting. And we'll listen as Christ invites us to wait with hope, with peace, with joy, and with love. This Sunday, we light the first candle of hope, and we wait with radical trust. I titled this poem, Blessed Is She, based on the women in Christ's ancestry who waited and believed in God's faithfulness despite great pain and unmet expectations. Each of their individual lives were linked to one another and part of a much bigger story than anyone could see from their personal vantage point. Whether they saw it or believed it at the time, each woman bore witness to the truth that God is always either creating or recreating. God is always either making something new or mending what was broken while we wait. May you hear your own story of hope as you read between the lines. This is Blessed Is She. I am Sarah, bitter and barren, burnt out by this promise that never came, worn out from waiting, laughing to hide the aching, longing for these empty arms to hold a baby. But oh, how could that be? I am Tamar, tired of trying so hard, pushed away, cast aside, left with no one to provide, longing for these wrongs to be made right. But oh, how could that be? 
I am Rahab, used and abused, body broken, soul bruised, working late into the night, weary just trying to survive, longing for some good to come from this tattered life. But oh, how could that be? I am Ruth, grieved and alone, left with nothing far from home, back breaking, heart aching, leaving so much behind, longing to start a new life. But oh, how could that be? I am Bathsheba, angry and ashamed. It was never supposed to be this way. Years of resentment, tears of regret, longing for this story to be redeemed. But oh, how could that be? I am Elizabeth, washed up and nearing the end, disappointed again and again and again, wanting things to finally change, wondering if it's just too late, longing for faith to still believe. But oh, how could that be? I am Mary, overwhelmed and afraid, young and small and anything but brave, I had plans, I had dreams, but now everything has changed, and I don't know if I'll have what it takes. But I do know I'll trust you anyway. Oh, Abba, why me? Oh, Abba, how will this be? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so this child to be born of you will be the savior of the world. For behold, she who was said to be barren has conceived, and she who nearly lost hope still believed, and she who was worn out from waiting held a baby, and she who was grieved, her story was redeemed, and she who was broken was honored and healed. For nothing is impossible with God. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of the promise yet to be seen. Well, uh, this is Chris here and I'm joined by Emma. Hi. I don't know if I should be doing some kind of weird transition here. Like, Thanks for that, Mark. That was great even though we're recording before you and don't know what you're going to say <laughs> but, um uh yeah this new format just for this one-off uh, is just to continue to share some reflections things that we've been thinking about advent um and uh we've just had a short conversation about where we're gonna go and we've had kind of like some similar thoughts but kind of ended up in this topic of waiting or I mean, it sounds quite negative, but like even waiting in the suffering, mm. um, which is a... Th- well, it is negative, isn't it? Yeah, it's negative, yeah. I really so- hate waiting sorry. and really- suffering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I, if, I'm really hoping the other guys haven't done something ne- negative, otherwise <laughs> otherwise this isn't going to be... Although, no, it's, it's grounded in hope. Uh, it's grounded in hope and, um, yeah, I think... I don't think we're being taught to wait well no. in our culture. no. Especially at this phase of the year, I mean, Advent uh, triggers words in people where it 
kind of set it's like a catalyst for the rush yeah you got to get your presents you got to run around i went to the local shopping center yesterday to do a bit of christmas shopping and it was just nuts. I was I was in a queue for over thirty minutes. Makes me think of having to clean my windows before I put the stars up. Yeah. Which I actually yeah. didn't do this year, and yeah. I'm still struggling with that. Yeah. A week on, like, oh, I can't believe I didn't clean my windows before I put those stars up. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of where we've ended up in what we learn about the Advent period. That word is is the catalyst for right now. Everything's got to speed up, but. Um, I mean, there's also something in churches growing up, and it's maybe the the most common thing that we've heard, those of us that have grown up in churches, but let's not forget the true meaning of Christmas. And involved in that is the whole context. But I'm also aware that as a leader of uh, a church, I have said that to people many times. Yeah. But I don't necessarily practice it. Mm. In fact, the... This period is so busy for a church leader with everything you've got to meet the community and get services ready and to think out your Christmas plan. So it's it's often the people that are teaching that message that are just speeding up as well. Mm. Um, and uh, I've been reflecting quite a lot over the, the context of the first Christmas, mm. that it was amidst... I mean, there wasn't the same... Uh, Obviously, there wasn't the same atmosphere around now. There wasn't people rushing to get presents or anything. But in fact, people were waiting in a suffering place, like the 400-year yeah. silence from the last prophet to uh, the angel visiting Gabriel. Um, and that wasn't just waiting for one generation or like one lifetime. It wasn't mm. people. People thought that maybe the king, the Messiah, was going to show up in immediately but mm. you kind of got this 400 year thing where you're passing on the hope to generation to generation yeah we've definitely lost that skill i think yeah yeah because that is a skill and a tradition yeah. of how do you do that yeah. yeah yeah i often think about that when you get into the genealogy mm. um in luke's gospel in yeah. particular which we often read during the christmas period yeah. um as it foretells the birth of jesus and it's like this it is a uh, God's salvation plan is generational mm. and it's coming and it's coming and it's coming throughout all of these generations and then yeah, yeah Mary um, becomes pregnant but has to wait for another nine months for Jesus to be born and mm. there's all of this amazing kind of things happening with the wise men turning up and the, the shepherds and what have you but then they have to flee again and yeah. there's waiting for well, I don't know what it was like, obviously, to be parenting Jesus, but before he starts his public ministry, there's 30 years before mm. there's any sign of this is the person we've all been waiting for. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you yeah. said it just before we started, you were talking about that. It's a really good point. And you said the, the birth of hope isn't necessarily the fulfillment of hope. Yeah. And I guess that's how the Israelites were feeling as well. The birth of hope was the prophecy that it's coming, but then the fulfillment of hope didn't come for... 430 plus years mm. yeah yeah i wonder how we can how we can learn yeah. that kind of waiting again and maintaining hope yeah. and maintaining faith in amongst promises not being fulfilled and still believing that those promises are there mm. for us mm. and that is part of the christian journey i guess yeah. that we're praying for things that we haven't yet seen yeah 
Um, I was in um, one of our micro churches. is a is a group that meets in a pub and talks about um, life and faith and stuff. And uh, this week we were talking about um, shalom. That how shalom the the biblical use of the word shalom isn't just peace or peace between two people. It's actually the restoration of all things to how they should be. So the peace between you and me and me and myself and me and the world and God and you and how all things um, come to fullness. Um, and that got me asking the question in that group. I said, but surely then no one's ever experienced shalom unless mm. you believe in the uh, literal interpretation of the creation story that Adam and Eve were living in shalom for a short time. Mm. Um, but I think that the waiting uh, is where we need to hang, cling on to the glimpses of shalom, mm. the glimpses of the kingdom that are coming. Um, and they happen in the world and they're maybe what give us the strength to continue to hope and continue to wait amidst suffering. Yeah. Yeah, the small breaking in of of heaven into the everyday life. Yeah. I was just listening to, we've just had our church service in our micro church, and I was listening to one of the one of the guys just sharing how he's um, just experienced the presence of of God in, through prayer um, during the night this week, and just how God has been particularly working with his. Uh, his eyesight like having flashes of light in front of his eyes and, and that kind of thing and just that might mean nothing to someone but to him just how the how the experience of of God's light has sort of restored his way of looking at himself and his situation and, and what have you so yeah these are the kind of glimmers of hope and yeah, yeah I've just recently been just really encouraged that God actually does want to break through and break in with the supernatural again. Mm. I think as a social activist, that's something that I haven't really, I don't rely on the supernatural for, mm. uh, yeah, for wanting a better way of saying that, but um, you, you want to sort of support people in, in really practical ways. Um, mm. But just that God God can do some real really supernatural things as well and break in with where, where we end God can still do something yeah. um, through his Holy Spirit and yeah yeah we do need that I think at this time it's such a dark time to sort of live in and I know other generations have experienced that as well so yeah it's perhaps not new to those who have lived longer um, but it does feel like we need that that um, hope incarnated through people but also through uh, God's Holy Spirit doing something yeah. that none of us can take credit for mm. yeah I um, I was reading a bit around uh, the traditions of Advent and just thinking about hope that well actually the first interesting thing is that it didn't used to be this period of excitement and getting things ready for even up until I think the, th the 13th century um, Advent was a period of fasting mm. so now we think of Advent as being fast in a different way that it's all about Russian speed but the period of fasting that came during Advent for the first 13 centuries was one to slow down and to almost it's a bit like between Good Friday and Sun, uh, Easter Sunday there's that period of waiting that period of recognizing that something is not as it should be before the hope comes and yeah. and even um 
we celebrate Christmas on the 25th of December, which is almost certainly not when Jesus was born, um, but it was chosen as the day because it was the darkest day in the Northern Hemisphere. Mm. Um, so there was something about that, like linked to John chapter one with uh, that the uh, darkness can never extinguish the light, that amidst the darkness and amongst all the pain and suffering that we see going around the world, amongst the perceived silences of God in our world, there's still the hope that's coming. Um, so I found that as a really helpful uh, suggestion of something to start doing during Advent period, not to get caught up and doing and um, practicing what I preach when I'm talking about remembering the um, true meaning of Christmas. What am I really modeling? Mm -hmm. Am I modeling the ability to slow down, to look at the world, to take in what's going on uh, and not try to sprint to Easter Sunday, not trying to sprint to Christmas Day? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I think the Orthodox tradition can really teach us something about that. I don't know mu too much about it, but I believe they still practice fasting mm. as part of the Advent season. Yeah. So there's perhaps uh, practices that we can borrow from other traditions that haven't become so consumerist yeah. in their way of expressing yeah. Christmas as yeah. we have in the West. Another another thing, and I'm making this up, so this isn't any other tradition as far as I'm aware, but I'm just reflecting over the four Advent candles as well, the four um, Sundays before Christmas when usually a child in a church service goes and lights a candle. <clears throat> just I've been trying to think of that in these first two weeks of Advent anyway, that the lighting has represented a hundred years of waiting between the prophets and uh, the birth of Jesus so each time has been a hundred year wait and just trying to put that in my mind of like what's that like one person's very long lifetime and in that time at least two generations just trying to imagine what was it like for those people to pass on that kind of hope mm. uh, and then bringing that into us and today and just even um that expectation of the instant return of Jesus by the disciples that they thought, okay, Jesus is coming. He said he's coming back. But then we've been living in these 2000 years of this generational hope that's passed from generation to generation. And we're still waiting for that, um, mm. for that hope to come and make things all shallow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly part of our faith tradition to learn that practice of long suffering of patience, mm. um, I wonder how do we do that when we look at how the world is today? Um, obviously, um, Israel and Palestine and Russia and Ukraine and all the other things, political things and other yeah, shootings, racism, all, all the things that we're seeing when we turn on the news. How do we maintain a posture of hope throughout this period of darkness and suffering? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've no idea, but I think the... <clears throat> I was hoping you had the answer. <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> but the, um, I think the instantaneous reactions that we have to things all the time because of the way that we live our lives and because of the way that we are um, just immersed in news all the time mm. is sort of drawing us away from that slower way of reflecting and responding to things in in a mature way so I wonder whether part of the responsibility on us as leaders is just helping ourselves as well as helping others to um, just look beyond what what things are on the surface mm. 
and learning that that slower pace of of um deep reflection on what's happening and what what is god's way through mm. through that um perhaps not always looking at answers but looking at how we can journey with people mm. um because the world wants to teach us that that there's there's um there's only black and white there's only someone who's right and someone who's wrong but yeah. it's so much more complex mm. than that in most stories if not all um mm. both on a societal level and individual level yeah i think um what just as we're talking now not something i've thought about before but just to use also those um generations of the israelites in that 400 year silence just to use them as role models when it comes to being carriers of hope Mm. to pass and on to the next generation with I've got two children and just what am I am I passing on the message of hope to them uh, yeah. with not having the knowledge of whether they're going to see it fulfilled mm-hmm. um, so what does it mean to be a steward of hope yeah. uh, in the world and that's where we really do a disservice I think to ourselves and to our children with these three-point sermons yeah mm. the kind of time that we've been living in where we're giving people you know and if we're only teaching each other and our children popcorn prayers and simple truths yeah. from the depths of the Christian tradition. Um, mm. Then we're really we're really not transferring hope, are we? We're giving easy answers to things that have no easy answers. Yeah. So yeah, perhaps yeah. asking ourselves questions around how can we how can we teach ourselves and each other and our children uh, a way to live with the complexities of our world and yeah. still holding hope. Yeah. Even when we don't see the fulfilment of that mm. that hope or that promise. Yeah. Well, our 15 minutes time slot that we've been allocated is uh, come to an end. Uh, I think we're going to sign out with um, some kind of poem. Um, but before we do that, maybe uh, I can just pray a short prayer over us and over our listeners um, in this Advent period. So, Jesus, we just um, thank you that you're the light of the world. Um, And we thank you that you are uh, the embodiment of shalom, of things being as they should be. Um, And Jesus, as we uh, continue in this Advent period and Advent periods to come through the next years and generations, we just pray that you will teach us to be slow. We pray that you'll teach us what it means to fast and to um, be sure of what we're longing for and certain of what we do not see. Uh, And we believe that that is your kingdom your kingdom which uh, is shalom we just pray for glimpses of that as we go through this period that we will be able to highlight and point out shalom in our world and uh, as we go about our days being disciples and leaders in different um, expressions of church just that we will be carriers of hope um, not just for having hope for ourselves um, but for hope for generations for hope for the world uh, where we're taught often that it's uh, a hopeless situation. We thank you that the darkness cannot extinguish that light. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So there is this story where December arrives, full of calendar clashes and overtime clocking, car park chaos and late night shopping. 
TV specials and empty stockings, feeling empty at times, we feel empty often. But there is this other story whispered at this time of year. It's the one we must unwrap, wading through ribbon and tinsel, amongst extravagant productions it hides in the simple. And there is this girl, there is this promise, and in the depths of her being, something is growing. But I was lost in the other story. I was eating its pages. I was scrolling its news feeds. I was singing its praises. When a voice called out the child in me and my feet decided to take a walk under starlight. I'd lost sight of the stars for so long, seen only dark night. But as I stumbled under their glow, I felt my heart expanding. I walked past billboards and bright lights in gift-wrapped mansions. I felt like I was on my way to see the powers confronted, the system come crumbling. There would be a new crown, a new throne, a new campaign title. The newsfeed would be hijacked, the social media would go viral. There would be fairy lights, red carpets, operatic recitals. And I found myself here with a vulnerable baby, the smell of birth and a cow trough in a forgotten shadow of the world. The king who drips planets from the tip of his tongue, knit into flesh held by teenage mum. And this is how ordinary it was. And this is how magnificent it was. Jesus. Emmanuel means God with us. Two stories, but really one story. We have eyes to see it. That story breaks into our own. The wonder, the awe, the baby, the star in the concrete, the flat, the office, the chaos, calling us to become like him who became like us. Ordinary magnificence, glory in the dust. So what will you do with this story? What will you do with this baby? What will you do with the ordinary magnificence this Christmas?